Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. Ace Podcast. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, why Netflix is banking on anime, EA's stupid decision making, is Green Lantern truly important to the Justice League, and why Black Panther could be the coolest Marvel movie of them all. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. And as always, well, he is out for Monday show, but he is back and back strong. He is the man amid the legend. He is back in the saddle with us from Humanican Media. And a man who may or may not be watching Geostorm this weekend, it's Josh Peterson. What's up, my friend? Dude, I completely forgot about that movie. This, okay. This is my, my <laughs> l- let me talk about this for a second. Well, just, I just want to say, because I've been actually trolling Rob McCallum I, since, he, since he started with, uh, he, he, you know, he had a story in one of, one of our previous episodes in regards to somebody on the, on the bus he was with talking about how they're excited to see Geostorm. So I actually put on his Facebook page the actual ad from Warner Brothers. Now get this, it actually says, get ready for the ride of your life as geostorm opens up this friday it is okay I, and i've also to tell you how desperate they are because this movie's it's actually going to not make very much money at, on this investment and it's also costing well over 100 million dollars i have been asked to see it by warner brothers in advanced screenings on more than four occasions and also have been invited and been reminded to see geostorm and been asked to see geostorm this weekend on another half a dozen occasions via email so they are desperate for geostorm it's all i can tell you at this point in time but go ahead or maybe they just want you there to boost their social media presence you know it's so we need a hit podcaster there to <laughs> take care of business well this is actually not a good sign again for warner brothers who are already feeling the sting from a movie that you and I love so dearly, Blade Runner 2049, which you should see instead of Geostorm hey, this weekend. It's honestly, it's building momentum. Like, it's making more money. It's because it was last I checked, they passed the 150 million and that's people are still talking about it. So, 
I think it's just going to be a slow burner and we'll see it might, you know, might do a lot better than we think it's going to. Well, it still hasn't debuted in China, so give fifty million there, and it'll, it'll make probably about two hundred. Like I said, I, I think I predicted last week it's going to fall in between two twenty-five, two hundred fifty million worldwide, which isn't going to really pay back for everything involved in it as far as production, advertising costs. But it is more like a break-even for them, so that's not so bad. But if it gets Oscar nominations and if it actually wins Oscars. And it's still, sometimes they put those movies back in the theater once they win Oscars. Then you can start seeing a little bit of money from it. And then it will actually get more hype when it comes out on DVD and Blu-ray. Back to Geostorm, I feel like Hollywood has this obsession with, like, just maybe like once every few years, they have to just wreck the planet Earth with some, some crazy storms and stuff or like the end of the world, 2012 or whatever it is. 2012, and, uh, day after tomorrow, San Andreas. Basically, it, it this looks like it's it's out of the playbook from each of those, and it looks like it's even worse. Hey, but in all fairness, the day after tomorrow was actually an excite, kind of a good movie, sort of a good movie for for a movie of that caliber. It was decent, sort of, ev- sort of. But everything after that was just one train wreck after another 2012 was bad san andreas was even worse the, the whole part where he's like that, that was like a prequel to baywatch when he's driving the boat through the city and trying to go through the building <laughs> um but yeah yeah i don't know man like geostorm like I'll, I'll watch it when it hits on demand or something but i'm you know i'm the, the theater is the last place i'm gonna go to watch that movie get ready for the ride of your life geostorm <laughs> anything anything with the word geo in it it's just not ad, not not appetizing <laughs> you're, you're talking to a guy that once had a geo metro so let's not go there but anyways <laughs> it's going to be a great episode we're going to have for you today we've got tyler baker from the fantasy football pater podcast and ffpater.com he's coming a little bit later to talk about week seven in the nfl Plus, Josh and I are going to be talking about everything from Black Panther to Justice League and a whole lot more, plus another great song from our good friend Plasma Z. But first, Josh, I know you've heard in the news, and it was pretty much a big thing in the pop culture world this week because of the ramifications by what EA, better known as Electronic Arts, did this week in regards to the video game scene and what it holds, I guess some you know kind of sends a message in regards to what possibly publishers of that ilk or that size think of certain types of games. This week, Electronic Arts shut down Visceral Games, who is in the process of making three, almost four years in, uh, untitled, Star Wars game that was a linear experience, a, sort of like a narrative, almost. In fact, it was kind of like you know one of the best series that we both like, Uncharted, because it came from the writer of the first two Uncharted, Amy Henning. So basically, EA, in a statement that they've made, I'm paraphrasing here, basically cited that this was not the direction that they wanted to continue going on with this game. They're sending it over to EA Vancouver, who were working on parts of the game, but now they're taking full control. EA Visceral, which is most widely known for the Dead Space series, 
is now being shuttered and everybody's being transferred around. But basically what, what I think annoyed a lot of people was that it was not something that they wanted to continue because it doesn't represent the best platform for them in the current marketplace for them to make enough money. Could be issues with not being able to apply enough microtransactions, loot boxes, extended season passes, whatever. It seemed like from the actual statement that was made that it was something that EA didn't think they were going to be making enough money on. So I ask you, Josh, knowing all this and reading all this and coming to grips with the fact that a story-driven narrative game is not enough anymore in the eyes of some big publishers, what does this mean for those who enjoy narrative-driven games like you and I that just like that experience we don't always want to go with the multiplayers and all the other stuff that we just enjoy those narrative driven games, those big blockbuster games that may be a thing of the past. It goes to show you how out of touch EA is with their fans because they, you know, in, in a way they sort of did that same thing with development of mass effect. And we all remember what happened to that. And so like this, that, that really surprises me because they want the, the game that Visceral is working on actually sounds interesting to me, but they, you know, obviously, you know, you had mentioned loot boxes and all that in-game currency and all that stuff. And that seems to be the wave of the future because I don't think we've reached a point now where these developers no longer care about story or uh, driving a or a narrative, something to pull players in as much as they care about making, milking the game for as much money as they possibly can. Well, let's talk about Battlefront 2, which is coming out next month which is their prize Star Wars jewel right now, that they're boasting a campaign because there was so much backlash in the previous version, which is Battlefront, which is going to be sitting right behind me here, that it didn't have its own narrative-driven campaign. But with EA, it seems like, okay, we'll do it in the context of having a narrative, but we've got to have this great multiplayer platform, you know, basically surrounding it and basically encompassing it and being the main part where you can go and make sure you spend lots of money on loot boxes and microtransactions. The campaign really that they just made that to please fans. It's a, you know, everyone has become so obsessed with multiplayer and multiplayer games, multiplayer, there's destiny, uh, Anthem and all this, like EA has a, an obsession with these types of games and they are isolating their you know their their fans they're not catering to what people like me and you want and eventually people are going to get burnt out on it like i know by the time um battlefront the the, for the first star wars battlefront came to it, the end of its popularity people were really getting tired of it so i i just you know what what is it that that you would like to see out of ea in the future as far as like you know, a single player campaign, or do you think, would you rather have the multiplayer games come out? Oh, well, I enjoy the Battlefront multiplayer. I'm going to say I did for a while until they made too many tweaks to the actual playing field and got rid of a lot of stuff that was very fun and enjoyable in the game. They nerfed a lot of weapons that I found attractive when I was first playing it, and I was actually doing well at it. And once they went ahead and updated and nerfed a lot of the the weapons that I had become used to, it became less fun and, and much harder of a challenge for me. And I don't have that time to go ahead and, 
and grinds you know so many hours to be able to try and get a decent advantage over other competitors what i will say is that destiny 2 if they're looking at that and looking what they want their star wars game that ea vancouver has now wants them to become or the one that i think is criterion or sledgehammer or one of those other studios that's always so working on star wars games if they're looking at destiny as the model for for trying to sustain a great business model they may be sadly mistaken because destiny 2 has been reported within the last week as well as physical copies being down 50 percent year first year over first year in fact first months out of first months between the original and now destiny 2 so that they're either buying a lot more online or a lot more direct download or they're just not buying as many copies so that's something to think about there as well so ea in my opinion has made a big mistake as far as taking the talents of amy hennig and saying hey you know what we appreciate you doing it but it's not going to work out and i'm sorry to see what we're going to have to do as far as either your future and the future of the studio because it's it's very disappointing because they were working like i said well over three years on the game i'm i'm just would like to see those continue as far as narratives are concerned uncharted yes it has a, it has a very good multiplayer let's give it that and it is supported and it does have a community behind it but it is not known for that it is known for having great 15 to 25 hour story driven narratives they recently as you went did on your playthrough which you can check out on the humanica media youtube channel you just played the most recent uncharted story driven narrative which you said was awesome by all accounts everyone else is saying it's incredible and it actually is selling strong as far as what from what i can see on all the charts as well so i don't know i don't think they get it i just don't think they they want to get it they see what overwatch is doing with the loot boxes and they see what what so many other uh, you know outfits are doing with with their microtransactions and and all that and I think that's what they they're starry-eyed about right now and we'll see how much people are going to enjoy the loot boxes that are going to become a prevalent part of star wars battlefront 2. we're going to see how much you know, people enjoy buying those loot boxes or buying basically pay to win but i i'm, I'm very sad to see this game not get the light of day and uh, I, I just wish Amy Henning and all those individuals involved with Visceral all the best uh, in regards to their future, and hopefully that EA will come to its senses and try to focus on a narrative game once again. But any last thoughts on this, uh, what I think is a big-time debacle on the part of EA? Yeah, I have a few, actually. You know, you made a good point about Destiny and these games modeling their future endeavors off of Destiny, but... That's the thing, like, you know, you mentioned Destiny had, Destiny 2's been selling less, and we have this, why, so they're trying to fill the marketplace with a Destiny-type game, but why would, it, why does, why do people want that when Destiny has already filled that niche? So that's exactly. kind of, you, you yeah. got that point. How many Destinies can you have in the same space? Right, and then, you know, you also, the whole thing with Visceral Games is, that just goes to show you, like, you don't, these smaller studios, they don't, they need to stop getting in bed with these larger, larger entities because you're just going to end up uh, kind of 
in the same position. And like this also leaves a creates a problem for like people who who like Dead Space and they're hoping for another Dead Space or a Dead Space remaster unless EA decides to you know, cart that off to another studio, we're not going to see another game like that again. And I happen to think Dead Space was a very good game. It was very thought-provoking, and it was it was fun, and it was scary, it, it, and it was just one of those games that I, I would have rather played another Dead Space than, you know, Star Wars Battlefront 2, but that's just me. But, yeah, it's just the, the focus on microtransactions is ridiculous, especially because it's becoming such a huge thing. Look at, uh, what is it, Shadows of War. It's, it's becoming such a huge thing that you can't, you know, you're going to end up paying, you pay $60 for the game, you're going to, you know, spending upwards of $200 by the time you get done playing it, especially if you don't have time to sit there and grind as, a, as an adult, you know, because if you're, you know, when you're in high school, obviously you have plenty of time to play games, but like, you know, me or you, like, we don't have time to sit there and grind. So we, they're trying to make the game more difficult so we spend more money. And it's just, it's a system that's going to implode on itself. Did you did you happen to see uh, the UK uh, are, is now labeling loot box the loot box system as gambling? So these developers have to have gambling licenses now to sell these games in the United Kingdom, which is very interesting. Indeed, and I know there's also a strict strict bylaws in Japan as far as how that's regulated, and I believe also several other areas in the Far East as well as as far as how they're regulating these types of formats us here in the u.s we're kind of slow when it comes to that they're used to dealing with other things and used to arguing over other things but we won't go into that but i will say this that they have the right right step in mind and as long as it's in the favor of the consumer because like you said sixty dollars is still a lot i understand and i get the fact that sixty dollars for a game isn't to a publisher what it once was and obviously they're trying to make money but there comes a point where the consumer says with their wallet, I'm not going to spend anymore. And I think that point will be coming down the road if, if they're not too careful. And if everything comes with microtransactions, it's really going to be frowned upon at some point in time by consumers. And there's going to be a big backlash. And that's going to be a very sad time indeed because you and I won't get quality games out of it. What are your thoughts on the EA debacle when it comes to star wars and visceral studios we want to hear your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com also as well popculturecosmos humanica media and game source on facebook and twitter as well we've got a great show lined up again for you like i said you got tyler baker standing by later in the broadcast we're going to be talking some black panther and i'll tell you what that is such a such a great trailer so cool and we're going to tell you why it could be the really the coolest Marvel movie of them all coming up later in the broadcast. And then also as well, our thoughts on Green Lantern and the Justice League. What could be that deal? And Netflix and anime. That's going to be coming up right after the break as well. But first, we've got our good friend, Elijah Harrison. This is Plasma Z. And this is Duskwalker. And this is the PCC Multiverse.
You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmos show and the PCC Multiverse. I would say Rogue One has a more worn feel. And I love it for that because it looks a lot like New Hope where everything isn't shiny and plastic like the Star Trek films. We always talk about timelines and the franchises that we love. And now it's kind of like, okay, now we're going to do a Han story. Now we're going to do Obi-Wan story. People do still like to go into movies and watch things that are different, watch things that are not related to superhero franchises. With him, you might get the Russell Westbrook thing. Kevin Durant leave and he go, I'm not going anywhere. This is my team. I'm lead up it for the long haul. If you're into like very strategic style games and the co-op games in general, it's a highly recommended game overall. I answered the sense of depth and personality that would escalate fighting games to a higher degree. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Every week on the Podcast Radio Network and Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. And we're back with PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. If you're listening to this on the podcast radio network on Friday night, we truly appreciate you doing so. If you miss either this show or our other great show, the number one show on the podcast radio network, the Pop Culture Cosmos show, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific on the podcast radio network. If you can't catch either of those shows when they run on that time, no problem at all because you can always download it on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Ace Podcast Network, Overcast, Player.fm, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast.com, Mixcloud, the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, Gunna Geek Network, Cast Crunch, Social Podcasts, and popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And if you do download it, we always throw in a bonus podcast, a bonus interview, or something like that, just something bonus in there for you, some extra footage, something real cool and nifty for you just for listening. Josh, I know you got a lot going on with Humanica Media, starting off with your great show at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on Tuesdays, the Attack of the Humanicans, but what else is going on with your great site known as Humanican Media? We actually have a website now. You can check that out at humanicanmedia.com. You can find all of our properties under podcasts and check out all the stuff that we've been up to, including the uh, E3 videos I did with my good friend, Gerald Glassford. Yes, indeed. Now we got to only sign up for CES and we're all set, but you know, keep forgetting to do so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, call me out. <laughs> call us both out. That's true. But yeah, so uh, you know, we have a new uh, Brian did another interview with uh, from Pocket Watch Games. Let's check it out now. It'll be up on the Facebook and up on our iTunes page. You can check that out. And we also have a new topic apocalypse uh, coming at you this week. And yeah, right now that's it. Uh, we got new inside sports too, but. You know, we're a little dry on content this week, but we're ramping up production here soon. Well, isn't there an NBA preview on coming up on Inside Sports? Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah, Gerald, tell us about that. Well, that's an NBA preview for this season, which I know the season's already underway, but uh, Anthony Barberin, our NBA expert and the man in the know when it comes to the round ball, he and I chatted for a little over half an hour, and you're going to be able to hear that on the Inside Sports Show coming up, or also as well, it's on our latest Pop Culture Cosmos download as well. You can hear it on either end, but it's going to be coming up on the Inside Sports 
show so you can't miss it along with Charles and Chris and their thoughts on week seven in the NFL most assuredly. But check out humanitymedia.com for all the latest info on what's going on with them. Plus, if you're in uh, the L.A., Orange County area and you want your wedding or special event videoed by the man himself, Josh Peterson, take a look at what he's got because he's got some really quality work there. Check it out, humanitymedia.com. Plus, also, every single one of the show's easy links right there as well. So... Like I said, Netflix is uh, doing it again. They recently had their public statements in regards to the usual, we're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing this one. And obviously they had tens and tens of shows that they're planning on producing and putting out over the next course of time and few years and whatnot. One thing that did stick out is, is I know Netflix has you know, had a little taste of anime here and there and has really tried to compete with Crunchyroll as far as being a player in the anime scene, but they announced that they're going to be either very soon or within the not-too-distant future constructing over 30 shows coming to Netflix as far as anime is concerned. So I ask you, Josh, with Netflix so concerned about anime, what does this do with the whole anime scene shifting in Netflix's direction? I think it's a good thing because for a while I know Funimation was really the only provider of anime in the United States because it, you know, it used to be like Pioneer and Bandai. Uh, there are probably a couple others I'm not thinking of right now, but yeah, Funimation is the the main provider right now, and I, for a very long time they were there's some sort of like export problems going on. We were having a hard time getting anime over here and now we're also it's like a, a renaissance for anime and netflix has done a great job of adapting the darker mangas that other companies like funimation won't really go near and turning them and getting an american audience to not only watch them but enjoy them do you think that netflix took a sign when sony bought out funimation do you think they took that as a sign that they need to step up their anime game I think it's a sign that, yeah, they took it, yeah, oh, definitely, for sure. And they, because they'd already been dabbling in anime, like as far as original content goes. I don't know if you watched, um, there's one on there called Knights of Sidonia, and that was actually a very good anime. And it, you know, people, the fans are clamoring for more. So I think that Netflix is watching, because obviously with Disney taking their stuff off, it's going to leave a gap in their content. And they... That what I, th I was reading something, they're like $8 billion in debt or something because they're hoping to, they've been purchasing all this content. I think that with Disney gone, it's going to save them money. And anime is probably cheaper to, I imagine, than getting in bed with Disney. And it's very, po it's popular. And so it's probably cheaper to make, or cheaper to get a hold of, cheaper to make, cheaper to produce. And it's still appeals to a very wide audience. I can't agree with you more than that. I think Netflix is a great platform to introduce a lot of people to anime. I was really digging on the Sony Funimation deal because putting it on a platform like the PlayStation 4 and possibly even PlayStation View, that could really be something if they wanted to really incorporate that 100%. So that's something to think about there. But Netflix taking the jump ahead of Sony and Funimation and also, I think they've put themselves ahead of Crunchyroll in the eyes of a lot of anime fans, or at least a lot of 
maybe I know no I know anime fans have a tendency to be devoted, but those that are not as devoted to maybe Crunchyroll or Funimation maybe will find Netflix as their place of choice to get their anime. And I'll tell you what, if this if it continues down this road, Netflix will become the new hotspot for everything anime. And that that's something that obviously they've been trying to do. And I know it's been talked about as far as you know, their comedy that they're trying to focus on, their shows that they're trying to focus on, having Marvel there for, well, as long as they can have it until it goes to the Disney Channel. But we'll have to wait and see on that part. But yeah, definitely uh, it is a strong sign that they're really serious about anime, and that should be great news for anime fans. Like you said, I'm just worried as far as running up this debt and how are they going to be making it all back uh, some they're hoping on somebody acquiring them or raising up their rates even more like they just did recently i don't know or off you know putting commercials on it for for goodness sake so i don't know at this point in time we'll have to wait and see how netflix is going to recoup all that money but you know the money deficit doesn't seem to bother them when it comes to producing original content so that's a great sign for anime fans and definitely a great sign for viewers who want to get interested in the anime scene what are your thoughts on Netflix and their growing interest in anime? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. And do you think it's going to be a, a great idea? Or are you really into Crunchyroll or Funimation and you would like to see them flourish instead and them hold all the properties instead of Netflix and you're scared what they're going to do? Share us your thoughts on one of those outlets. We'd love to hear from you. We truly appreciate it. And when we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit about the Justice League and why Green Lantern may be coming and if we actually care. We'll talk about that and more when we come back. This is the PCC Multiverse. 2017 is a pinnacle year for Rob McCallum Films. Coming off the heels of the internationally acclaimed and award-winning documentary, Missing Mom, we're in the final stages to release Kitty, Origins and Evolutions. Check out this heavy metal biopic that explores the ups and downs of rock and roll for the women in Kitty who blazed a trail in the music industry in the face of unthinkable adversity. Kitty, Origins and Evolutions releases this year from Rob McCallum Films. 2017 is the year to set your future on fire. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. Josh, I know you heard some feelers. Uh, actually, on the Big Bang Theory, I heard it was rumored as well that they were trying to overtly say that Green Lantern is somehow going to be involved with either in the new Justice League film or in the Justice League universe going forward. I know they were mentioned by Darkseed in his voiceover in the trailer. So I want to hear your thoughts. Green Lantern, is that a good thing coming there? Or do they need to really establish the characters that they have already within the Justice League first? It's weird because a lot of people, you know, a lot of people are upset that there isn't a Green Lantern already in the Justice League. And I know that it's kind of a thing where they're overcrowding because we've already established Batman, we've established Superman, we've established Wonder Woman. So now we're going to have, it, it seems like it would be a little too much to take four new characters as opposed to the uh, the three side characters that were already introduced in Batman versus Superman. The Green Lantern is to the DC Universe kind of what uh, Thor or the Guardians of the Galaxy are to the 
Marvel universe. So it opens up that whole, you know, cosmic side of things. And it kind of like the entire axis of the DC comics. It's funny because they kind of revolve around the whole, like the, the cosmic multiple worlds, uh, stuff like that with the new 52 and infinity crisis and all that stuff. So it's, he's kind of an important character. And I, I, I feel like the movie would be a little too crowded if he were to be in it for a long time. And even like giving him a cameo, it, it would have to be very well planned because we've had so much fan service in all of these comic book movies, especially DC stuff that it, it needs to be tasteful. It needs to be done well. It needs to serve a purpose. It doesn't, shouldn't be there just to entertain people. Do you think it's time to bring him back after the fiasco with Ryan Reynolds in the previous iteration of Green Lantern? Well, okay, look at it this way. If Chris Nolan could resurrect Batman after what Joel Schumacher did to Batman, I think that there anything's possible. And honestly, I didn't think the the one with Ryan Reynolds like it it there are worse movies out there. I it wasn't I didn't watch it wasn't good, but I didn't watch it and be like, oh geez, that was terrible. But yeah, I didn't think it was that bad. Uh, you know, I didn't think it was deserving of the 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 trolling that it got, but it also made well over a hundred million dollars at the box office. So I'm I don't see how that that is necessarily such a bad thing. I know it didn't make a profit, but at least it didn't fail too miserably. And my main thing is I in my head, this is why they didn't put him in Justice League is because there's too much backstory to him to just give him a brief on the screen. Like he, he, I, I, he should have had his own movie established before Justice League came out. But I, you know, I don't know what DC's plans are. It sounds like their plans are all over the place, and we it, only time will tell. I hope they they're not stupid with it. But you know, DC has severely disappointed a lot of people so far. So. Hey, who knows, man? What do you, what do you think of it? I hope they don't put too much of him in, in there. I hope he, if he does get an appearance, that it's kept very small and minimal and that it leads to something maybe bigger down the road. I think the Green Lantern character, there is enough time now that that has passed between the Ryan Reynolds effort and now that you can incorporate a better representation that might be more palatable to Green Lantern and DC fans out there. I think the time is good to at least introduce him, but may, like you said, not have much of him in in the Justice League at all because there's so much going on and we're trying to understand the Flash's character and also as well Cyborg's character that are brand new to the actual Justice League movies, the DC movie universe itself. They're, they're pretty much brand spanking new, and their stories have to be established within the framework of the giant Justice League film, not to mention Aquaman as well. So if you're going to take care of those three, there, there's really not much room for any, anyone else to be established, and, and that's brought in new. Uh, so I, I would like to wait and see on Green Lantern. Maybe you can hint at him a little bit more, but that's, that's the most I'd, I'd want to see of it at this point in time. What are your thoughts on possible Green Lantern sighting within the Justice League? Are you ready to welcome and embrace him back as part of the Justice League? Or do you really want DC to hold off on his appearance for now or maybe not have him come back at all? We want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, GameSource, and Humanica Media on Facebook and Twitter as well. 
When we come back, Tyler Baker is standing by, our good friend for the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. He's going to preview week seven in the NFL. And then after that, Josh and I are going to be talking some Black Panther from Marvel. This is the PCC Multiverse. Everybody closes doors. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back with the program. This is the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos. I almost think like I'm in a Shasta commercial when I say that. <laughs> Hold on. Don't give me that so-so soda, the same old cola. I want a rock and roller. I want a pop, 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 pop. I want a Shasta. I want to nice. taste possess. Yeah, all that great taste. Shasta has. I don't even like Shasta, and I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I won't scare anybody else out there. Also, I won't finish the commercial song. But it's uh, pretty good, though. Yes, yeah, you know, I try. Uh, once again, it's Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. I'm here along with my good friend. He is the man, the myth, the legend among fantasy football gurus. The man behind ffpater.com. You also got to check out his Facebook group, Fantasy Football Pater Podcast on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And then also as well, you got to check out the great podcast he has every Tuesday and Saturday it drops. It's the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. It's Tyler Baker. What's going on, my friend? Dude, it's good to be here, man. It's always good to talk to you. Always. Good I know. I know. Indeed, it's always great to talk to you. A lot of great stuff going on. Uh, I feel I'm competitive because I've listened to your advice and and uh, the guys that helped you on more than one occasion. You've pulled me out a, a couple of wins that I probably wouldn't have gotten on my own volition as far as fantasy football is concerned. Fantasy basketball, I'm rocking as normal. I'm starting off oh, on a good right note on. there, but right we won't go there. Uh, at least my players are not <laughs> twisting and breaking ankles or tearing up knees and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm good there so far. But football is the thing that we're talking about at Fantasy Football. Week 7 in the NFL is here, and who better to talk about with me than Tyler Baker. Tyler, what are some of the points that you want to hit on this weekend in the NFL? Well, we're going to see a Green Bay Packers team without Aaron Rodgers, and uh, they're going up against the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans, uh, man, they've had a lot of bumps in the road, but it looks like their defense is starting to turn around. And uh, this could be a really good game for Drew Brees and company to come out and make a statement. Adrian Peterson, who? <laughs> because they're doing pretty well with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. So uh, I think as the season goes on, Alvin Kamara is going to keep getting a bigger share of that. He's definitely the guy of the future there. So that's going to be a game that I'm going to watch. Brent Hundley, you know, he's no Aaron Rodgers, but he's got wheels and he still has a great receiving core around him. So is 
bad as that blow was, I don't think it's the end of the line for Green Bay. And it's interesting that they haven't put in, um, Aaron Rodgers on injured reserve. So maybe he very could surprising. come back at the very end of the season. If they're still in it, then they're not going to put them on IR and they haven't done it yet. So, and if they don't do it in the next week or so after the surgery, after, you know, the doctors kind of see how everything went, then we could have Aaron Rodgers back at uh, the end of the season. But Andrew we'll, Luck. We'll talk about Andrew Luck right now. <laughs> Just hold off on that. But oh, it's man. Well, as, as long as people have an idea what Brett Hundley can do, no, he's not Aaron Rodgers, but mm -hmm. I think with, like you said, he does run the ball a bit better than Aaron Rodgers. Mm -hmm. He could provide fantasy owners touchdowns running that that might surprise some people. So as long as he stays away from the interception bug, you think he mm -hmm. might turn out to be a solid, if not spectacular option. We'll see. He has a good team around him. He's been in that system for three years now. I, I think it depends on how Mike McCarthy is going to deal with it and if he can put together game plans that can play into what Brenton Huntley does well they could still be a, a competitive team but they're not going to be able to play the way that they did with Aaron Rodgers and unfortunately they lost both of their starting tackles last week and that offensive line is banged up I think that that's probably not going to bode well for them but we'll see uh, the Saints defense has been improving I'm not buying in that it's turned it that they've turned it around and that they're a good defense now I'm, I'm really not buying that yet but that game is one that I'm going to be watching a lot of things in that game because so many fantasy guys have Green Bay Packers all over their team you know there there were so many viable fantasy players on that offense and now a lot of guys are you know really kind of wondering what to expect I think everybody takes a down tick but that's still a great receiving core and maybe they'll be able to cover up some of Brent Hundley's shortcomings now you also talked about Andrew Luck who's oh, not boy. having the best of luck because it looks like during the course of the week his progression towards coming back onto the field mm -hmm. took a turn for the worse correct he was throwing and had a setback and had to get a quarter zone shot. And lately there's been reports surfacing that maybe Ursay and the Colts knew that he was going to be out the whole time and just kind of led their fan base along. I, I don't want to believe that. I don't, I don't want to believe that a franchise would be so nefarious as to do something like that. But they've kept pushing that timetable back and they've been pushing it back. And it was Ursay said a week before the season that, Oh yeah, he could start this season. Well, we're going into week seven. He had a setback. We were hearing week eight. Now maybe it's nine, 10, who knows? Uh, it, it's, it's certainly for me, I've been buying low on a lot of Colts players and now I'm wondering when that is going to pay off, but there's a little bit more stability in that running game. Now, Ryan Turbin is out for the year. And that paves the way for the rookie Marlon Mack. We'll probably get a lot more work. Frank Gore, he's still there. You know, he's still Frank Gore, but now it's a two-headed monster instead of a three-headed monster with Robert Turman, uh, who was their short yardage back and kind of their goal line back. He's out now. So what are some of the other things that you're looking forward to this coming weekend that you think fantasy owners need to be made aware of or some things that may be hinted or that you're looking forward to talking about on your Saturday program? Well, that's all going to come down to the Friday injury report. <laughs> we learn a lot Friday. Now, another injured quarterback in Jameis Winston, he hasn't been practicing. We were not expecting him to practice with an AC joint. It really just needs rest. It needs rehab. 
And uh, so they weren't going to push him throughout the week. Now he was at practice during the part of today's practice that the press was allowed to, he didn't throw any passes. Now maybe he tried to throw some after the press left. We'll find out on, on Friday with Friday's injury report. If he's throwing, he's probably going to play, but you definitely want to keep your eye on that. It looks like Marcus Mariota is good to go. He's practicing in full. And so I'm sure he's taking it easy on that hamstring in practice. Anytime you have a hamstring injury, you want to you wanna take it easy. But he's practicing in full, so it looks like he's a full go. But Jameis Winston's really the one that it's going to come down to what they tell us on Friday as to whether, he's, whether or not he's going to play. And if there's one maybe little secret that you might want to share with the audience for this weekend's game, maybe a player that you're scouting, maybe – position that you're looking at as far as prospering what sticks out to you as far as maybe something that maybe not everybody's looking at when it comes to the games this weekend there's a lot of those little things with every team for me i think wendell smallwood coming back to uh the eagles i think that's a big deal Legarrette blunt's actually done pretty well but i think wendell smallwood once he gets a chance to shine once he's been healthy because he hasn't been i think that backfield is his we'll see I think that's going to be a shootout, by the way, with uh, Washington this weekend. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. It could be. Philadelphia right now has the best record record in the NFL at 5-1. And And the Redskins Redskins can play well. They just kind of don't sometimes. So it'll be interesting. Also, C.J. Procise is finally healthy in Seattle. And I think he's the best running back on that team. And now that he's finally healthy, it'll be interesting to see how they incorporate him and what he's able to do. Uh, Devontae Parker may play this week. Again, the Friday injury report. I think that's a big deal for a Miami team that's, that's, that's trying to find some life. And they showed a little bit of that last week, getting Jay Ajayi going. If they can get Jay Ajayi going and get Devontae Parker healthy, they could be competitive again. So you know, each team kind of has those dynamics. One of the big things that's happening right now, it looks like DeMarco Murray might not play. Beginning of the week, they said that he was fine. Oh, yeah. Well, today they were talking about contingency plans and bringing up a running back from the practice squad. So we'll look at Friday's injury report. If DeMarco Murray can't go, this could be a big week for Derrick Henry. Yeah, so he could come in and have a good week. And he's on he's on a lot of rosters, you know, just kind of sitting there waiting for something happen to DeMarco Murray. But and maybe even in in a DFS, he could be a pretty solid play. If you check out the Facebook site, Fantasy Football Pater Podcast, the group site there, you can get all the help you need to help negotiate around those injuries with Tyler Baker and the rest of his staff. They're giving you the advice you need on trades, whether or not you should do it or not, on lineup changes, everything going on within fantasy football. You can ask your questions there and check out what everybody else is doing as far as their rosters are concerned. Also as well, check out his great articles, including what he talked about with Aaron Rodgers. You want to check it out on ffpater.com. And of course, with the injury report coming out on Friday, you have to, have to, have to listen to his great podcast each and every Saturday, plus his Tuesday podcast as well when they drop on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast.fm, Player.fm, and SoundCloud. Just type in on the search, Fantasy Football Pater Podcast, and it comes right up for you. Tell you what, Tyler, it's going to be another great weekend in the NFL. 
have a Shasta on me, my friend. <laughs> I don't want a regular cola. No, a no, no. That's right. <laughs> Shasta. I just oh, wanted to say great. pizzazz. I think that's probably why. But anyways, <laughs> want to thank you again, Tyler, for being part of the broadcast here today. And you are so much a part of Pop Culture Cosmos. We truly appreciate, again, being part of this week's PCC Multiverse. I'm Drew Leiter. And I'm Cleus Jacobs. We're here to tell you about our podcast, The Earth Station DCU. Join us every week as we discuss the DC Universe. We talk everything DC, including comics, television, the cinematic universe, and so much more. We look forward to bringing you some great reviews and discussions. And don't forget, read, read more comics. comics. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse to close out the show. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. I'm here along with my good friend. He is Josh Peterson of Humanica Media. And by the way, just check out his brand new site, humanicamedia.com, for all the latest on all of his great shows and all the other great stuff that he's doing. And I'll tell you what, if you also get a chance, check out our site, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. I recently did a preview of the Los Angeles Lakers there. And also as well, I did a review of not only Blade Runner 2049, but also NASCAR Heat 2. If you want to check out my extended thoughts, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. I thought the game is a solid experience. But in the sea of driving games, which have been coming out over the past three, four months, it may get snowed over because it is just, when it comes right down to it, it's okay. It's nothing great. Uh, if you're a NASCAR fan, it's obviously something that you should get. If you're a driving game fan, you might be looking elsewhere at Forza, Project Cars 2, or Gran Turismo Sport. It's still a solid game indeed. And you want to check out my full review. It's on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. So definitely uh, check that out there and all the other great articles that Josh and I have written on there and all the other great friends at Pop Culture Cosmos. Black Panther, man. Did you see that trailer? I thought it was really, really one of the best trailers I've seen from Marvel in quite some time. I sure did. I love how Marvel is taking music like they're they're now kind of taking a cue from uh you know people who use music like chris nolan how he creates uses music to create uh you're right with baby driver you're right and baby driver exactly they're now kind of using that to make to bring their movies up to the next level and i i love it i love how they use uh his run the jewels in the last trailer and they they've actually been using run the jewels for like everything that's come out in the past couple of years but yeah it, i love that this trailer finally gave us in an in-depth look at what the movie is going to be about, who's going to be in it, who are the villains, who is uh, who is he going to be fighting? Because for even in like the Black Panther comic books, it's uh, a lot of it like, you know, he has a big part in, in say like the Ultimates, but a lot of that revolved around him meeting up with the Avengers and so on and so forth. So unless you've done a lot of reading on this character and his, his solo run, you don't really know a lot about him, but the trailers did a great job of, kind of giving you the cliff notes on what he is, who he is, what he's doing. My question, I really want to know, like I've heard rumors that the Winter Soldier is going to show up at some point in the Black Panther. So I'm I'm curious if that's true and how they're going to make that come into effect. But it looks really cool. Like it, 
I thought that Thor Ragnarok looked cool, but I'm equally stoked about both movies now. I, I agree with you. Thor Ragnarok has had that great Flash Gordon feel with the music and whatnot that, that really has made it uh, somewhat enjoyable. Plus also showing the banter between Hulk and Thor has really made it, for me, the by far the most interested I've ever been in Thor. But when it comes to Black Panther, that just oozes cool. That just oozes a great vibe when you watch it. The music there, it's not necessarily one of those 70s or 80s tracks that Justice League and even Marvel and DC have both tried to, to steal from. You know, what great track that they're taking from today, from the past. Uh, I even chided them about it. You know, that seems to be an ongoing thing. It seemed like it was just a very good vibe and a very good beat to it as far as initially. I really, really, really enjoyed that Black Panther video. And I'll tell you what, I can't wait to see the movie when it comes out next year. And I definitely like the setup for it. I definitely liked the way that they've been handling his character and also as well showing us brief glimpses of Wakanda itself. I'm definitely interested and intrigued to see that. As far as the Winter Soldier, we it, well for spoilers. If we remember from Civil War, we we know at the end that he is in Wakanda. As far as from the standpoint of, of obviously trying to get himself repaired so he doesn't succumb to those words that hypnotize him and make him an evil monster. So maybe he comes out of that by the time the end of the movie comes around. We'll have to wait and see, but. Definitely, I think he would be uh, an added bonus if that's the case. Plus, it also would set his character up for the Infinity War coming very soon after that. So, And def that's what it's supposed to set up for anyways, correct? Right, because this is kind of the last movie that we're going to get before Infinity Wars comes out. And you can't do it all at the end, the last, what, you know, during the credit scenes. You can't do it all on those post-credit scenes for Black Panther and Thor Ragnarok. Right. So let me tell you, let me tell you my predictions, possible spoilers here. I uh -oh, think that uh -oh, watch out. I think that Captain America is either going to hang up the shield or he's going to die. And they're well, he going to did hang up the shield though in Civil War. But he's just going to take himself out of the superheroing business because, you know, it's either going to be him or Tony Stark is probably going to meet their end. Who knows? It'd be a weird decision if they, you know, just in case they want to bring them back for something for a quick cash grab. But I think that Bucky is going to take up the mantle of Captain America, just like he did in the death of Captain America. And the Ed comics, per se, right? Right. And Ed Brubaker's classic Captain America run that featured Bucky. That's my prediction. And that to me is a shame because I really like Chris Evans in the role of Captain America, but I too see it happening. They may do the same thing to Tony Stark because Robert Downey Jr. is now in his 50s and he can't be playing Tony Stark much longer, or at least the Tony Stark that gets in the Iron Man suit and saves the day. He can always play older Tony Stark, the multi-billionaire that you know, can create all this stuff. He can still play from that end, but I don't think he wants to be the, in the mentor role going forward for that many more occasions do you think no and he said he's you know it's getting to the point where he wants to hang up the uh the red suit so called but this is okay they really if they're gonna take him out not take him out but like if they're going to if he's going to retire or leave or whatever they need to give iron man fans their 
what they've been clamoring for. They need to get Iron Man 4, and they need to have him actually take on the Mandarin. They teased us in Iron Man 3, and they even gave us that little bonus uh, episode in the special features of Iron Man 3 that talked about the real Mandarin, the real Ten Rings coming after him. Uh, you know, give us some Mandarin, give us uh, Fing Fang Foom. Just give us, like, these are the ultimate Iron Man villains, and these are what we want to see. And if we see anybody fight them, I want it to be Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark, as opposed to uh, Riza or the, uh, the, the girl's name who is now taking over the part of Iron Man. Just give us our due, and then you can send Robert Downey Jr. off into the great beyond. What are your thoughts on Black Panther? Are you as excited as we are because of the trailer that just came out this week? Have you had a chance to see it? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. So Josh, any last thoughts as we head on out? I am currently making my way through the entire Marvel catalog of movies. And I have to say there are movies that weren't as good as I remember them being. I know what you're, you're thinking. And there are movies that I remember are better than I remember. So it, it's, it's just, it's, they, they've done a good job. They've done a good job of evolving with the times. And someone was telling me that, or I was listening to this on another podcast, if you watch all three Captain America movies back or, you know, right after each other without watching the others in between, you get this whole new side of Steve Rogers. And it sounds interesting enough for me to sit there and try it, but maybe on my next run through, but yeah, I'm excited about the, uh, the, have you noticed that the three big movies coming out are all franchise related? And if you were to marathon all the movies that come before them, you would literally never leave your house. That's true. That's <laughs> true. But i tell you what, if you get a chance, check out our thoughts on the Marvel Universe, at least mine anyways for right now. And hopefully Josh will be adding his two on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. And it's another beautiful day right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Super, 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 Presents! Frank here. Today I had the pleasure of chatting with Andy Schatz, the lead designer on Tooth & Tail and the creator of the indie game studio Pocket Watch Games. Today we chatted about his place in the rise of indie video games in the early 2000s, 
about the console real-time strategy game and what it means to play a strategy game with a controller, and much more. Enjoy. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, please introduce yourself. Uh, I'm Andy Schatz, and I am the owner, creative director, and designer and lead programmer at Pocket Watch Games, uh, creators of Tooth and & Tail, and, uh, and Monaco, What's Yours is Mine. Yeah, man. I actually did a little bit of digging. It sounds like you've been in the industry for a little bit of time, even before that. Uh, do you mind? Uh, do, you, do you want to talk about those first games, the Tycoon games? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm just curious about that. That sounds really awesome. Yeah, yeah. I started Pocket Watch Games in 2005. Um, so we've been around a long time in uh, you know what is now known as the indie game space um, or indie game development industry. Um and, uh, and yeah, my first game as an indie was um, a game called Wildlife Tycoon Venture Africa. Yeah, was that like a big, uh, like a, a major publisher that asked you to do the game or I don't know much about it? No, 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 no. I mean, this was, uh, we were indie from the start. Um, the idea was, um, so I was working in the big budget industry. I was working as a contractor for EA uh, at a company called TKO Software before that. Um, and got completely burnt out, pulling all-nighters on a terrible game, um, and uh, eventually was just like, I, I'm, I want nothing to do with this. So I applied to a bunch of business schools with the intention that I would go to business school. I'd quit my job, go to business school, and come back and fix the industry as an idealistic uh, 23, 24-year-old was... 20, 24, 25 year old was uh, imagining that one can fix an entire industry. Um, and uh, um, so I applied to these schools. I quit my job and I figured I've got nine months before classes will start. Um, I'll just make a game and maybe I can even sell it because the casual game market was starting to become a thing. Um, okay. Yeah. It was the very beginnings of the like digital distribution before XBLA, before any of this stuff before um, yeah, ios was like a year or two later yeah yeah ios actually uh, steam had just launched um oh, so the, the very yeah the steam launched in 2004 um and um so uh um so yeah i i quit my job and like four months later i got rejected from all four schools but oh, in the same week, I'd gotten a bunch of press coverage for the game that I was making. So I was like, I guess I'll just make the game and I'll start my company now. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Though. Yeah. That's really cool. You yeah. Know? And what's cool about it is, you know, I've gotten to really be in the thick of the whole, the rise of indie games as a movement. And, you know, I, I hosted the Independent Games Festival Awards like five times. We won it for Monaco. We won the grand prize and a design award. That original game, Venture Africa, was nominated for a grand prize. Um, and while I certainly don't get to take credit for everything in the indie games space, and I've really just been a very small part of it, um, being a small part of it, you know, having the dreams of fixing the game industry um, in many ways we did, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean the huge, 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 uh, I don't want to say rush, but onslaught almost of great indie titles, like kind of came out. Like, I, I mean, I remember Monaco being right around that time, 2013, I want to say 2011 to 2013, just, that was the braid. That was, um, 
Oh yeah, man, Castle Braid, Crashers, all Braid the small was a, companies. Braid was a um, uh, a Braid won the design award in the IGF in the Independent Games Festival uh, year that Venture Africa was nominated. It was the same. It was oh. actually the same year. It was before Braid was out. Several many years before Braid was out. Um, yeah, because Braid didn't release till two thousand and like nine or ten, right? Uh, it was before it was way ten. Later. It was before ten. I would have been either. I think it was probably two thousand when it came out okay i think but yeah Um, it's uh i mean it just it really did help change and you were i mean it seems like part of it man you were making games games when i felt like only big publishers made games yeah yeah well we were we were sort of latching on to the casual game thing um so there were a bunch of of like the very early indie game scene was latching onto that and distributing games through like Yahoo games and big fish games and things like that. Um, and then then XBLA came along and, and steam and valve opened up steam a little more. And, and that's when things really blew up. Well, I want to talk a lot about tooth and tail today, but before we get into that, your last game before at Monaco mm-hmm. kind of set, I would say the indie scene on fire for a while. I remember it reading or like reading it, winning tons of awards and stuff. And I was wondering how that affected the process of creating tooth and tail. Like I didn't get too much of a chance to play much of Monaco, but I'm wondering if there's any similarities in that like game design or, or if you, uh, if it all affected the process of making tooth. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh i learned a lot about game design in particular on monaco um and really developed a um uh an aesthetic from a design perspective um with and i don't mean aesthetic strictly visually in fact tooth and tail looks virtually nothing like monaco from a visual perspective um but from a design perspective um they're really very very similar um even though they're completely different genres. Um, and, um, and so that really, really informed um, how we built uh, Tooth & Tail. Uh, design iteration was something that uh, we spent a lot of time with on Tooth & Tail, for better or for worse. That's why it took as long as it did, um, three and a half years or so in development. Um, I, I remember being in the beta for it. Yeah. <laughs> talking yeah. to the community about two or three years ago. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, and we really worked hard on on trying to get the the core controls and the core design um, to be uh, um, as as close to perfect as we could get them for a uh, to make the game easy to pick up and play and simple to play um, without losing any of the mechanical depth of uh, real time strategy. So if you wouldn't mind giving the listeners just a quick rundown about Tooth and Tail, just in case they haven't seen any of the videos, which they should have, right. or heard about it multiple times, which they should have on the podcast. Sure, yeah. Uh, so Tooth and Tail is a real-time strategy game um, about animals at war over who mu- who gets to eat and who must be eaten. Um, and uh, the hook, as far as uh, mechanics go, is anyone can play this real-time strategy game if you've ever been frustrated at real-time strategy or if you if you feel like you're not good at it so you don't play it if you're intimidated by it or if you really love the genre but you would prefer to play something that is um that is really focused on on fast and fun um and i don't mean casual um because it's still mechanically very deep but it is very very fast and very fun and focused on improvisation and creativity rather than practicing a build order or having perfect micro. Um, and uh, um, so to that end, we do a lot of things like 
You can play the game in split screen. You can um, the matches are just five to twelve minutes long. Uh, the the maps are all randomly generated. Um, there's a big long uh, uh, story campaign um, with uh, lots of interesting characters and missions and all sorts of stuff like that. There's a million different ways to play the game, um, and it's just we like to say it's the hearthstone of real time strategy. Yeah, as a big uh, console fan, and pretty much, you know, I rarely play PC games. I played the Tooth and Tail beta on PC, and that was about it. Um, but I love the idea of controller-based strategy games. I'm, I was one of the few people who loved StarCraft 64, so that should give you an idea of who I was. How much of Tooth and Tail was from made from your guys' love of Goblin Commander Unleash the Horde? You know what? <laughs> yeah, actually, going back to your previous question real quick, I probably should clarify, you can play the game. In fact, it's great on a controller. We really designed it to be able to be played on the controller. Oh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Oh, sorry, I totally, I, I knew that, so I just kind of oh, no, used my to knowledge. Oh, I forgot yeah. to say it, too. Yeah, but it de- it definitely was like a controller thing, and it reminded me, I mean, not at all playing its way more... Um, fluid and fun and the aesthetics better but it reminds me of playing goblin commander unleash the did you ever do you know I, what that I, is i i many people have mentioned it to me but i've never played it <laughs> it is yeah you are literally like a goblin and you create like uh you know minions who follow you around and you can only have x amount of them gotcha. uh but it, it's a very you know obviously it's it's nothing like tooth and tail in a lot of ways right. but um so when did you guys start working on tooth and tail uh, I started prototyping in January of 2014. Um, but we didn't start in earnest until April of 2014. All right, so about three plus years, three a little bit over years. three years. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay, that's the normal development cycle. How much did the game change along the way? Uh, well, I would say, you know, we the the initial iterations of it were very fast. Within the first year, we had... Um, uh, we were very sort of close to what the game was, but then we spent a lot of time trying to find the right artists and um, really, really iterate on the, the core design. And a lot of that stuff, it, it was necessary to making the game good, but it, it would, it, they're all very subtle, excuse me, subtle changes. And then over the past, the last year of development, that's when we were working on things like the, the PlayStation 4 and split split screen the campaign things like that so that um that was a a a year of very very hard work um so um it i'd say that the game obviously changed tremendously over the first year and over the last year but that middle section we were spending a lot of time uh really just iterating on the core design that's excellent um and so i read you guys use the mono game game engine yeah What, what is that mono game is um a uh Microsoft made a game a gaming framework called XNA for uh, this was for the Xbox Live Indie Games portal on the Xbox yep, 360. On the 360. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was a fantastic framework. So it's not a full engine like Unity or uh, Unreal. Um, it's really just a sort of low level framework, somewhat bare bones framework for you to be able to build on top of. Um, this XNA framework, um, and, and by this, by that, I mean, it's like, a, a, it is code, right? It's, it's, yeah. um, and is it in C plus plus or it's Java? In C-sharp. Or? It's in C sharp. Oh, C sharp. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and this was a somewhat beloved framework. There's a lot of famous games that were built on XNA, um, including, uh, Fez, I believe Terraria, um, Monaco, um, a, a, a 
ton of other big, yeah, a ton of other big games. Um, and uh, um, the Microsoft eventually shut down Xbox Live Indie Games, and they shut down XNA, and they stopped supporting it. But in the meantime, um, uh, there was a new project called Mono Game that was intended to basically be it was it's a, a cross-platform replacement for XNA. So the idea was, so XNA was only available on PC or on the Xbox. You can only put it on those things. But um, uh, it, an open mono game was an open source project that was intended to um, be a one-to-one -one replacement for XNA, but working cross-platform for Mac, Linux, PC, um, and the console platforms as well, and and mobile platforms too. Um, so uh, we worked with Sickhead, actually the, the primary group behind that open source project for the, the PlayStation 4 port as well. Oh, that's excellent, man. I, I, I know very little about that. Um, that it sounds like open source, like not full engine, but that, right. that framework. Um, so the game reminds me of like a revolutionary red wall and the aesthetic is just so, that's what drew me to it, is literally the first image I saw. Um, who does your art? The art ah. looks like familiar, but it I, I can't place who the like what other games that person's worked on. Uh, so um, the guy who did the painted art, uh, we have two artists that worked on the project: um, Jerome mm -hmm. Jacinto and Adam DeGrandis. Um, Jerome Jacinto did all the painted art. He's um, uh, um, he is. We actually found him by googling Redwall fan art. <laughs> nice. Um, That's awesome. He lives in the Philippines. Uh, he is a like high level parkour professional <laughs> oh, he does nice. a lot of parkour um and he has worked on a couple other games but most notably he he did some art on armello although probably not oh. yeah i, I don't want to get the uh, drum is great but he's not like their he's not their primary artist uh he okay. did he did some of the the cards in armello so um but he's his style is fantastic um if you Look him up on his Deviant Art. Um, you'll see a lot of Redwall fan art, um, and he's he's just amazing. And then Adam DeGrandis is the other artist. Uh, we worked with him. I've worked with him on every project in that Pocket Watch Games has ever worked on. Um, oh, excellent! And he's just a great. He teaches art in at the main College of Art and Design, um, and he's a great generalist. Um, these days, he's he's also working with Spry Fox, um, who uh, does. Ton of really cool indie projects. Oh, that's excellent, man! So, how big was the team to make this game? About seven primary contributors. Um, oh, wow! And then, and then there's a whole bunch of other people that contributed in some manner or another. Well, one of the people that I've recognized, and I'm sure you get talked to about this person a lot, is Austin Wintry. Yes. Like, how was it working with him? <laughs> His uh, music's amazing. I've I've bought the soundtrack. It's excellent. Austin is amazing. Um, Austin is incredibly creative. He is. He is insatiably creative. Um, uh, sometimes, and he's also one of the most puppy dog enthusiastic people I know. Uh, it's really fun to work with him because he's the kind of guy that, from a management perspective, um, I, I'm basically just holding a leash, and he's a he, and he's the puppy on the walk, and he wants to sniff and smell everything. He wants to go everywhere, and he wants to do crazy stuff, and. So uh, um, uh, shaping and guiding that enthusiasm um, is a joy because it's, um, you know, there's never a sense of like, 
I I always know that he's going to surprise. Um, he's going to surprise. He's it's he's going to do interesting stuff. And I know that he loves working with with me in particular because I let him do the crazy stuff that he wants to do. <laughs> um, yeah, man. So uh, you, you yeah. can hear that. And just even the opening title track, it's just really, really cool and creative. And I, I was I was really caught off guard because, I mean, normally the only time I find out about a game's soundtrack is while I'm playing it. But this one, I actually kind of pay attention to it more when I listen to the tracks separately and watch the video. I mean, they're great cool. in the game, right. but, like, I, I, I was like, whoa, okay, there's a lot to this. Um, what are your guys' uh, short-term and, if you have them, long-term plans for Tooth & Tail? Yeah, so uh, short-term, uh, well, we're going to TwitchCon this weekend. Um, so we'll, we'll be there and hopefully meet a bunch of streamers. Um, awesome. And then uh, after that, uh, we've got a few things coming down the pipe. And we do have a public roadmap. So if anyone wants to go check out that public roadmap, it's on Trello. You can search for Tooth & Tail public roadmap um, and it should pop up. Um, after that, we have some things like um, being able to customize your commander's flag. Um, I'd like to get the a beta version of the level editor out there for people to be able to fool with. Um, I, um, it may never be anything other than a beta version because it's a, a little messy. Uh, um, but, uh, and then I, I would eventually like to start getting new, adding new units to the game. Um, and, uh, add, I'd like to add in player stats so that people can track their own stats. Um, That'd be cool. we're going to roll over the seasons. So there'll be a season two on the leaderboards, um, in the ranked ladder, um, and uh, we've got um, PS4 crossplay coming, um, hopefully soonish. Um, and uh, let's see, I think there was one other thing I was thinking about. What was it? Oh, I, uh, I, I've got a fun little project for the single player campaign um, I, that uh, um, I'm going to engage the community with, um, and that is. Uh, all of all of the, the maps are are procedurally generated, even though the the missions themselves are authored. Um, uh, but what I'd like to do is come up with a standard seed for each of the missions, so that um, uh, so that you can play the standard campaign where the missions or the the terrain is locked into a single uh, configuration. And then you can play the hard mode, which is where the, the missions um, randomly generate the terrain. Oh, um, that sounds like a great, great idea. Yeah, um, and, and then I'm going to crowd. What I want to do is crowdsource what the standard seeds are on those uh, on those procedurally generated levels. So I got to ask two hard questions for you. Yeah, for um, one is we are huge fans of the Microsoft platform here just because, you know, it like PlayStation definitely, you know, surprised a lot of people this generation and did a lot of great things. But I do love the ability to play my old games, backwards compatible, yeah. and I've always enjoyed the Microsoft controller. Are you guys planning on bringing the game to Xbox One? Uh, I that would be awesome. I, we don't currently have any plans to, but we'll see. Mm. We'll see. And then the other thing that I play, I have all three, but the the one that I've been playing the most recently is my Switch. I don't know if you own one of those. I do. I am obsessed with uh, Breath of the Wild. It's it's probably my favorite game of the past five ten years. It's amazing. Are yeah. you guys thinking about bringing it to that? Because that's something to. I love I'd, playing games on too. I'd really love to. We'd love to, to bring the game to the Switch. Yeah, I and I, you know, I don't want to take too much of your time. But um, aside from Tooth and Tail, are there any other uh, projects you guys are working on, or is there, are those too far off to even talk about? Are we yeah, still, like, probably too far off to, to because I'm starting to have some ideas percolating in my head, but not um, 
but there's there's no work being done on that yet. We really want to just focus on um, on Tooth and Tail and and uh, you know continuing to to support the community and and grow the community as well. Well, I think you guys are doing an excellent job. I, the game is just beautiful. And it's a ton of fun to play. Um, appreciate you for taking your time, uh, Andy. If there's one last thing you could, is there anything that you could leave like aspiring developers um, who are looking into getting into the game industry, like some piece of advice or that you could give to them? Sure, yeah. Uh, I, I think that the piece of advice that I usually give to aspiring developers is um, uh, don't get too ambitious. Never get too ambitious. Every, no matter what you are trying to build, uh, it will be take three times longer and be three times harder than you expected it to be. And a finished game is a far more satisfying experience than an a finished small game is a far more satisfying experience than an unfinished large game. Um, so uh, start with something very very small. Um, even when you get to be really good at making games. Uh, um, build small things um, because they will always be bigger and harder than you expect them to be. <laughs> very, very true. Well, thank you so much, Andy, for your time. I really appreciate it. If you guys are going to TwitchCon this week, check them out and talk with them. Uh, anything else that you'd like to add before we sign off? No. I, well, I suppose if you if your listeners want to join us in our Discord channel, that's where we that's where our community hangs out. That's discord.gg slash pocketwatch. Or you can follow us on Twitter at pocketwatchg. Um, and uh, we'll see you on the battlefield. Thank you so much, Andy. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Bye. Thanks for listening, and if you can, please rate us on iTunes. Check out Tooth and Tail on PlayStation 4 or Steam. Follow Pocket Watch Games on Twitter. Jump on their Discord, and keep in touch. Email us at superbscast at gmail.com. Thanks. Okay. That's uh, to us people that can feel things, it, it, uh, it hurts.